This podcast is part of the Frederick Podcast Network. Learn more at listenfrederick.com. Welcome to season three of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast with Adina, Brian, Chris, and Steve. The biggest, most fun podcast in the galaxy. This is the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, season three. When you think about Star Trek, four words should automatically be part of your mindset. And those four words are Mike and Denise Okuda. Beginning with Star Trek The Next Generation, Mike became involved with this series as a graphic artist and created the iconic LCARS computer system, lovingly referred to as Okudagrams. Mike and Denise continued on working with the next three Star Trek series and subsequent movies as well. Recently, they were called back to work on season three of Star Trek Picard, which Denise calls The Next Generation Season 8. I could not agree more. Mike and Denise have produced Star Trek The Encyclopedia, first edition in 1994, which I remember purchasing, and three more with edition number four weighing it at an informative 13 pounds. I own this as well. Mike was presented with a NASA Exceptional Public Service Medal in 2009 for his work with NASA. In 2022, Mike and Denise were presented with a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Scenic Title and Graphic Artist Council. However, I think the greatest award Mike and Denise have ever received is the appreciation we fans give to them each and every time we encounter these two greats. Which brings me to how I first met Mike and Denise. It was December 2015. I was having dinner with my wife Elaine at the Storytellers Cafe at Disneyland's Resort. I looked out the window and saw Mike and Denise sitting outside waiting to get their table. After we finished our dinner, I turned to get up and saw Mike and Denise a short distance away. I just had to say something to them. I introduced myself and said, I might be the only Star Trek fan here who knows who you two are. Mike graciously introduced his dinner companions, Garfield and Judith Raves Stevens, who wrote three episodes in the fourth season of Enterprise, and I believe one of them was Divergence, which is that the one that set the Klingon uh, clarification about the foreheads? So to a very <laughs> significant ep- episode, might I add. Um, Afterwards, I apologize for interrupting their dinner, but I just had to thank them for all their work in Star Trek, especially Enterprise, my favorite series, and I've seen them all since they were first, when, uh, first them all firsthand, including starting on September the 8th, 1966. But before we begin our interview, let me introduce the other crew members of the USS, the big sci-fi podcast, NCC 2023. At the helm... Captain Brian Donahue. Hey, Steve, if I had a dime for every story you have of when you interrupted celebrities in the middle of their meals, I'd be a wealthy man. I'll send you a dollar, okay? Okay. We don't get that in Canada. (laughs) I'll say you a loony then, okay? Uh, Science officer, Adina Minoy. No, I can't say it. After like, you'll get it one of these days. It's okay. Mignona. 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 It's a nice Italian name. Yes. And our ship's counselor, Chris Fox. Thank you. Hello. Can I be commander? I just want to be Commander Fox just for a day. Can be commander, ship's counselor. Commander and ship's counselor. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. She's a commander, right? You want to have a uh, uh, show uh, raising in. You know, you are. You are. I give it to you. By the way, calling calling us all these names, Steve, is about the nerdiest intro we've had uh, ever. I think. I'm trying to come up with something (laughs) appropriate for the event. And I, of course, am Steve Merkin, the guy in the red shirt that never survives past the first commercial break. <laughs> and with all that out of the way, let's begin our interview with great appreciation for our friends, the Akutas, to be here with us today. And I'd like to open up with the very first question, and that is, how did you two people meet? Um, we just met through mutual friends. and. Um... I don't know. I I came up and uh, took a meeting with production designer Herman Zimmerman when he was starting out in Star Trek: The Next Generation, and because I had a I I worked as a registered nurse at that time, um, or prior to that time, and um, 
had meeting with him and Rick Sternbeck and Andy Probert, uh, illustrators. And then he took me back up to the art department and I was, you know, looking around, talking to folks. And I noticed this one bulletin board and it had a little maquette of uh, Max Hedrum. Max Hedrum was a brilliant, brilliant, uh, way before its time um, television series. I mean, it started in the UK, but then they made a um, a, a, a version here with Matt Fierro. And of course, I saw that. Max Headroom, Mac Head, and I said, "Whose desk is this?" And it was Mike's. And that's what that's why when any, anyone asks me that question, I say Max Headroom uh, introduced us. <laughs> I love it. I, I remember watching that on on uh, Night Flight in the eighties, and it was just it was so hip and so cool, and it was really neat. Yeah. Well, when when that series was on, I remember I was working on uh, the title sequence of Star Trek: The Next Generation. At, at a post-production facility called the Post Group. And in one of the edit bays, I was was working, doing whatever. And on one of the monitors, I could see what was being done in the next edit bay. And it's this really cool uh, tech graphics. And I said, what is that? I want to work on that show. <laughs> it, was, it was Max Hedrum. And fortunately, I didn't, I didn't uh, decide to actually try to get to work on that show because literally the next day it was canceled. Oh my goodness! Really? Oh my gosh! Thank goodness, I I I would have hated to have your career have ended right there, uh, and not have progressed through uh, where you are right now with Star Trek Picard. Oh, I was gonna say because I'm 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 still I want to go back to a, a minute. So I I think I would have assumed Denise that you were always in graphic arts, but you, did you did I hear that right? You started out you were in in nursing and yes. then came to this. That's yes. a that's a very different universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it absolutely is. Well, you just don't know where life is going to take you. Mm. But that's fair. Yeah. Just don't. And you you never know what opportunities are going to happen. And, um, you know, it was quite a leap and it was quite a change. But I was also very ready. I was working in a, a kind of a critical air, care area and I was pretty burnt out. Mm. And um, so, you know, just opportunities presented itself. And here we are today. So before you went into nursing, did you have kind of a, an artistic leaning, but the practicality of nursing draw? Like, how did you? Uh, um, I would yeah. say that I I was always attracted to science. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be, um, I wanted to study the stars at age five. But then wow. um, as I progressed with education, I realized that if you're going to be an astronomer, you have to like math. And I don't. And so, <laughs> so. Uh, you know, nursing just seemed to be a perfect blend of of science and um, I like people. And um, so I went into that and I did that for a couple of years. Um, I got a Bachelor of Science in nursing and I, I practiced in a hospital for a couple of years. And then, um, like I said, just happened to come into this meet Mike, just circumstances kind of lined up and mm-hmm. uh, started working on Star Trek. I'm going to say that's a little funny you said about liking math and astronomy. So my my undergraduate degrees, I have a degree in physics and a degree in astronomy. Oh, and these, well, and these but these days, one of the things I talk to a lot of students and one of the things I try to tell them is you don't have to like math in order to do it. You, there's a lot of uh, things surrounding all of the engineering and understanding. You might have to do the math and get through it, but you don't necessarily have to like that part. It's one of the, <laughs> the things I talk about to, to people. Well, one of the things that Denise doesn't mention is that uh, a nurse is a, is a scientist, and mm-hmm. yes, and, she, uh, and every day she actually had to use a fair. Oh, chunk I of used yeah. a lot of math, and if I didn't, it was problematic. It was bad. <laughs> problematic with so, dosing and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, yeah. but fast forward to today, um, Michael and I have worked for the last on the last four seasons of. Apple, Apple TV Plus um, for All Mankind at Sony Studios. Mm-hmm. And um, we're tech consultants there. We're not working in the art department. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, because we're space geeks. So, you know, full circle. That That's it's awesome. Fabulous. Fabulous. I love that you're, you're, again, so when Next Generation came out, I was a teenager, young teenager, and that's what got me into really being a Trekkie and really so. Sol- 
leading up to that, I was always interested in computers and robotics and in a little bit space, but next generation and, and watching things like what I have in my background, which is an L cars inspired thing was what pushed me over the edge and launched it. So I, I work in aerospace and, and have for the last, I don't know, almost, I'm getting old, so almost 30 years. Um, and it was watching all of this stuff. And then a lot of my career has been software development, where again, having all this stuff in my head, it's like, okay, we think through the design of how are my engineers touching our software and using our software. So it it is full circle. So, <laughs> you know, art inspires life, life inspires art, mm -hmm. all that stuff. I, I often say that uh, I think science is, is astonishingly cool. I think aspects of mathematics are fascinating. But I think we as a, as a society, or at least our educational system, does a horrible job of communicating mm -hmm. the fact that it's cool and it's interesting. Yeah. They mm -hmm. do their level best to make it uninteresting and painful. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I think we uh, we lose a lot of a uh, lot of potentially good people. Yep. And I think one of the great things about Star Trek is it says, hey, this stuff is cool. Mm -hmm. yep. This stuff is fun. This stuff is fascinating. This stuff uh, does interesting things. Maybe it's worth studying. Yep. One hundred percent. It has inspired so many people to get into aerospace, into the NASA program. And I, I just remember, you know, the, the story about uh, Shatner filming his film, the, the captains and going to Bombardier and saying, I need to borrow an aircraft. And they say, great, here it is for free. And he said, why? He said, because I wouldn't be in aerospace if it wasn't for watching Star Trek. And this is my way of giving back to you and thanking you for your inspiration. So it, 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 that's, I think that's the greatest gift that Star Trek has done is it's inspired people to get into science and aerospace and improve their lives and improve all of our lives as well. And I, and I, think, I think Gene Roddenberry was very proud of the fact that his show had that effect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm just so curious because like I... Want to jump forward to Picard because I am so fascinated by it. Just <laughs> watching it, like I remember when the trailer came out, I'm like, okay, wow, the the L cars, they look right. I just would love to know, like, what the process was to take the classic L cars but update them for a modern audience. Uh, production designer Dave Blass approached me at the beginning of actually um, Picard season two, and said, uh, if you were going to do exactly that, you know, what would you do? So I wrote pages and pages of notes and I and I did all kinds of sketches and I said, well, we might do this, you might do that. And then I kind of had to step back from the process because uh, uh, we were in pre-production on For All Mankind season three. So I, I, I kind of turned all, all my notes over over to him. And at that point, uh, he was working with an uh, uh, artist named Andrew Jarvis and also um, uh, Jeff Mandel. And they noodled around with it for, for a bit. Then I came back uh, to Picard uh, for for season three. I had the benefit, which I didn't have back in '87, of having thought about it a bit, uh, largely because uh, um, Dave had said, "Well, you know, what would you change?" And so I had a chance to think about, well, what what's the uh, what makes this thing look interesting? What makes this thing look functional? Which Again, back in 87, when you're just desperately tr scrambling, trying to fill all these panels before we have to shoot on, on such a date, <laughs> mm -hmm. you don't have the chance to think about it. But but here we did. Also, very significantly, in the year since 87, uh, technology, real-world technology, has come huge leaps and bounds. Uh, mm -hmm. The Enterprise-D in encounter at Farpoint I literally did the graphics with pen and ink and rub on letters and uh, uh, wow. and rapidograph pens and T squares and triangles and and, and hand cut pieces of uh, of lighting gel. Here, I uh, because of COVID protocols, we basically couldn't visit the set, so we did oh, everything. Man, really? Did everything here, sent it over. Uh, uh, some of it was manufactured at. Uh, uh, off-site. Some of it literally went to uh, uh, sh Chicago, where uh, Andrew and, and his team, uh, Noah Schloss and, and, and um, those people, uh, would animate it. Then they would 
email it over to uh, uh, to Todd Marks and, and Ben Betts and uh, Larry Markhart, the playback team on uh, on the set in Santa Clarita. And again, because of this amazing technology, things which were just basically static images in, uh, in Star Trek Next Generation, we were able to have wall-sized projections and things could mm. actually change and move. And it was... Uh, it was we were able to achieve many things that I said, well, this really can do this. We never actually see it happening, but uh, but trust me, it does. And we were we weren't able to do everything, but we did quite a lot. That's one of the questions I wanted to ask is because you guys have seen a lot of technology, you know, real world technology change, you know, during your career. And like, I mean, do you miss the pre-computer days and or are you just so, uh, you know, is what we can do now just so amazing that it, it it you're perfectly happy with all the now stuff? During the very early days of Next Generation, um, I remember uh, I, I had figured out what I wanted to do and what was possible to do on the Enterprise Bridge. And I'm going, oh, OK, at least I, I've solved that problem. And, and uh, Rick Sternbach came by and he plopped it in, in uh, a magazine on my desk and uh and someone was writing about the uh, holographic displays and and VR displays and heads up displays. And on one hand, I knew there was absolutely no possibility we could do this stuff with the uh, with the budget and with the uh, effects technology that we had at the time. But I just looked at him. I said, "Yeah, Rick, you realize you just made everything that I've just done uh, obsolete." But again, when you when you're designing for a television series. It's not just what do you think the 24th century might look like. It's what can you do with what's available, what the with the budget, with the resources, with the technology, mm-hmm. uh, with the schedule, with the hardware, uh, with the personnel. Mm-hmm. And you have to find the sweet spot where all all those things meet. And on on Picard, we were able to do a great deal more. And I'm very grateful that uh, Dave Blass, our production designer really wanted to push things but he also wanted to make it feel like it felt authentic to what had come before and he he didn't want to just change things for the sake of changing them he genuinely loves star trek he genuinely loves the heritage he calls star trek a period piece he says okay we have to be authentic mm. to period mm, i can see okay. that so with That's that in mind with that in mind <clears throat> when enterprise was proposed to make that series and you had to go, okay, we've got all this, we're in this century, now we're going backwards. Was it kind of, was it fun to recreate or create a whole new environment for that particular for the NX01 interior and all the um what I love about the show is all the graphics that make everything look so very real, as though it was actually manufactured at a factory or produced by different subcontractors that make a spacecraft was it was it exciting or interesting or fun just to say okay we're not using anything from the prior series we're starting from scratch it was a great deal of fun but again the your principal challenge what it looks like is important Mm -hmm. but what can you do with the available resources and the available (laughs) budget and schedule that's more important Mm -hmm. I sat down with one of our producers and I and and she said she was quite correct. We cannot use anything that you've done before. And I said, I absolutely understand that. What you have to understand is that the Elcar's uh, interface was not just designed to look cool, but it was designed to be as inexpensive and as quick to produce as possible. Therefore, anything that I change is going to cost you more money. It's going to cost mm. you a lot more money. This is exactly what we go through in engineering. <laughs> exactly so, yeah. the same thought processes. So, uh, and it and the cost was fierce. It would cost many, many times more to build the NX01 bridge instrumentation than it did for the uh, Enterprise D. Mm-hmm. I think it was worth it. I think uh, because ironically, because it was a less technologically advanced system, it had to be more hardware intensive we had to have more physical buttons and devices mm-hmm. and junction boxes and and widgets and controls and dials and <laughs> indicator lamps and keyboards and all these things all these things cost money 
And also you're dealing with time. Um, Mike and I were two of like five people that were working two series and a feature every other year. Hmm. And this went on for quite a bit of time. Thank God we were married because we would never have seen each other. Um, And I believe we had five weeks from the time that Voyager wrapped. The time we were hired. For, for for Enterprise. To the time we shot. Till the time we shot, we had five weeks. Now, I don't, it it boggles my mind even just saying those words. It was mm-hmm. insane. That's how Enterprise was born. Huh. Wow. Yeah. I, I, can, I can tell you that when I first saw the photos and images that were portrayed of the show, uh, you know, I had been watching Star Trek you know, since the beginning. And when Voyager was done, I was kind of burnt out. But when that show appeared, it rekindled my love of Star Trek. And because it was like, this, this is, they're getting back to, you know, mm. they got back to, I guess, the old way of, of doing it. But it was just, it, it and, and everything looked so cool. Was it, uh, was it fun working with Doug on all this, developing the? Oh, it's always fun working with Doug. <laughs> I mean, we've known Doug for, 30 years. I mean, uh, we worked together on, on DS nine and, um, and then he went off. We, he did not work on Voyager and then he came back. Um, we had the most fun group of people in mm-hmm. Michael's graphic de- graphics department. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had fun art department anyway, and Herman Zimmerman was fab- fabulous production designer. Um, but we had a, we had a great group of people, very talented but they loved Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And that was gold because yeah. we were working insane hours under a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. And yet we were still having fun because we were working on Star Trek and we were together. So yeah, we worked with Doug. And you know, Doug is um one of our, our closest friends. Sorry, I was yeah. looking for a control but I couldn't find it. That's okay. <laughs> uh, I, I can say that that Doug was so excited to see the NX uh retrofit in last week's episode of Picard and because I, I kept looking going where's the nx where's the nx and mm-hmm. then he posted saying there it was and i thought well that was really neat and it just it, actually that whole that whole space station that whole oh, that was amazing was so amazing, amazing. Cool. there there was so many uh <laughs> there was so many surprises like i had to freeze it and go wait a minute is that the genesis device there what the heck? <laughs> I was trying, but I, I didn't trying. catch a lot of that. I tried to stop, uh-huh. but I, I missed that. I was ashamed. I had to read about it somewhere else. And I'm like, oh, what? I missed this? Yeah. And we there's have- actually quite a lot more that that uh that didn't that didn't make it on, on screen. Oh, oh really? Are yeah. we allowed to ask about that? <laughs> uh let's see. If we're not, it's okay. Oh no, I'm just uh, trying to remember. Uh, yeah. Um, th- there was a there was a self sealing stem bolt which we decided. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh that's cool! I was, always uh, wanted to see a one. lethal device. <laughs> uh, well, the, the, there was a. Uh, uh, well, we we saw the self sealing stem bolts on DS nine, but uh, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine who works at the Paramount Sign Department made these replicas, and he sent me one. So I thought, okay, well, oh, I got my, I can use that. There were a couple of of lethal viruses, um, for which. Uh, we we have dogs. I uh, I took these dog toys and I, I made them into lethal viruses. <laughs> that is fantastic. So do you guys come home and watch a show too? This is a little bit different. Uh, when when you're working full time and uh, uh, twelve or ten months out of, out of the year, uh, you do watch it because you need to you need to see what what it looks like. Mm. Here uh, uh, here it's a little bit different because it's been been literally a year since uh, Picard season three wrapped and there's been a, a full year of post-production and, and, and whatever. So now when we watch it, uh, you know, we've, we've certainly read the scripts, but to, uh, to go back and, and see the episodes, it's, you're almost seeing it fresh. So yeah, we're, mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're watching them as they're coming out and we're very much enjoying oh, them. That's exciting. Yeah. It's, it's such, it's such a treat this season because I, it is like we're getting the extra season of Next Gen we've been wanting. Mm-hmm. And while I, I love the Next Gen films, 
Um, First Contact, I rate as the best of all Trek films, even above Wrath of Khan. I just love that film so much. But I just, this everything in this series, especially uh, season three here, has just been a treat. It's just been, and it's, these guys look great too. Everything looks so good. The actors look fantastic. Like they could carry on if they really wanted to and carry, they still got it. It's pretty amazing. It's amazing. There's, there's rumors. We'll see. But uh, it's so good. There's all sorts of rumors, but the cast the cast has never been stronger. They uh, yeah. the, writing, the writing for their characters is great, but the performances that they're bringing, every single one of them is amazing. Oh they're nailing yeah. it. Like yeah. Yeah. and and you we have a debt of gratitude to producer, um, Exec producer, line producer, writer Terry Metalis. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is is his doing, and he's brought Star Trek back to us. And um, you know, he was sweating bullets that that the fans wouldn't like it. And no. I think Terry, Terry, <laughs> <laughs> like we, yeah, the I, fans I love from, it. From yeah. Oh gosh, it's, it's the great. Flame, it's so I know what's good. good or bad. She says, "I know what's good or bad," and you are right. Yeah, and I remember in in was it the first season where we first see Riker and Troy and Riker's making pizza? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I I bawled through that whole episode, and my mm-hmm. wife again is like, "What? Who? Yeah. <laughs> you know?" Which I cry <laughs> at, at just about any film. You know, I'm a crier in in entertainment, anyways. But um, I just I'm like, it just even that episode was the first time I went. This feels like family coming back mm-hmm. home to us, or we're coming back home. And even though I I really liked season two, I like season one a lot. I I like season two. Uh, season three is just like they, Terry just really. I mean, yeah. he's hit it out of the ballpark. And then then folks like you guys are hitting it out of the ballpark behind the scenes. Everybody working and the actors. It's just it's just been such a treat. And so, I'm not a crier. Like Brian is, I'm not a crier. <laughs> and that episode with Riker and Troy when we first saw them, I was, I was, I was wet. My my eyes were all wet, and something mm-hmm. was something was happening there. That was yeah. that was amazing. That was that was very sweet. But again, that was that's 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 Jonathan and Marina. They're bringing yeah, yeah. they're bringing thirty years of of history back, and it's uh, it's seeing it's seeing old friends. It's so amazing. Yes, and I I think too, real quick. And Kristen, I know you're dying to get in here, but I think too, I've talked to people who who are watching this third season. I think. If there's an actor that's really, really bringing it, like like there is a market improvement and just it's an awe factor. I think Jonathan Frakes is doing such a tremendous job. Um, I mean he's a he's a good actor, and I Riker was one of my all time favorite characters, but I really feel like he in particular has got something that is really helping the show this year. I, I think for me, everybody's having their moments. And I mean, Gates McFadden's having her finest moments ever. Definitely. Um, Lef- I mean, oh my gosh, LeVar Burton, of course, too, had some fantastic moments in last last week's episode. Brent, mm-hmm. For me, Brent Spiner, like he he wins. Because again, that whole concept of he can successfully play multiple characters mm-hmm. in a single scene successfully, mm-hmm. where you're like in a that, single that, yeah. shot. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yes, yeah. yes. But yes. here's the beauty of data of not data, Brent Spiner. <laughs> he can play someone like who's not lore pretending to be data, but can also play lore pretending to be data and have them be different enough that you know who it is. Yes. And it's the craziest yes. thing. Which we it's, seen amazing. Yet, it's amazing. It's amazing. So he wins. So and I think Michael Dorn is fabulous. Oh, oh he's, yeah. He's, he's killing cute. it this season. Hey, he looks great. He, he, he just with the with the with the white beard and hair. I mean, he's the the he's the Klingon Santa Claus, you know. I also, I also just want to make it known once again that I called Worf as Rafi's handler. You did. Way you did. at the beginning. Yeah, you did, yeah. You and did. Adina did not believe me. I didn't believe it. Just want it known publicly once again. Did not again believe it, but that. yes, you did. You did. <laughs> and you can say it again when we talk about the full season on our next episode. <laughs> Denise, did they refer to the encyclopedia for all the cookies and all the little 
surprises and everything that they're using or for references point to make sure that they were doing things correctly? Did they go to you and say, is this factually correct? Were we doing this right as the writers went along with the scripts? The first time we had a meeting with production designer Dave Blass a long time ago, Mm -hmm. we were we said we, we didn't really know that much about him. And so we said, well, you know, we wrote a couple of books and um, we hope that they're helpful to you. And he got away from the camera and he brings out <laughs> all our books and he goes and he says, they're dog eared. So <laughs> Dave's, That's a, Dave's a big Star Trek fan. And Terry, Terry obviously is a big Trek fan. Yeah. Will you be doing a new updated encyclopedia considering we now have Discovery and we have mm-hmm. Lower Decks and we have Strange New Worlds and we have Picard? Will you gonna, are they, Do you want the come? short or the long answer? Uh, it's up to you. <laughs> it, the clock is running. Where You, you all have right. all the, the time the, in the world. The short answer is no. Okay. The, uh, the the publishing, <laughs> the publishing of world has changed a great deal. Uh-huh. It no longer makes economic sense for a publisher or for or for a writer to put two years in, into a project like that. Mm-hmm. We did the 2016 edition just because we loved the project. We wanted to we wanted to do one more edition. I see. Um, mm-hmm. It made absolutely no economic sense for us to do so. We uh, uh, we pretty much worked two years for free wow wow and, and we were happy to do it because we love that book and we want it we want to do it but we, we can't we can't do that again we just right, can't do right. that again. Yeah. And it, it is such an incredible amount of work mm. i mean i don't know how we did the books while we were working on the show well i do we didn't have weekends or hot we didn't have a life i mean we just worked all the time but um uh, no. Then I appreciate. I'm glad I've got it, and I will cherish it forever because it is the last of its kind. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, someone else may. Somebody someone else, else may do, do it. one. Someone and, uh, will pick it up at some point. Yeah. yeah. Somebody else. Will and they'll it. and they'll learn their lesson. Well, a lot of things are a labor of love, and that's mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah. Well, so can but, we? Steve has Steve has a question here that he wrote down. And I think it's in, in you can choose to answer this or not answer it, depending on how you feel. But are you guys fans of the JJ uh, films in the Kelvin timeline? What were those two choices? That's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Understood. The, the, uh, the goal of the JJ movies was to do Star Trek differently. They, mm-hmm. their goal was to make it as different as possible. And, and they succeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it I, will tell, I will tell you a very quick story. Um, the, everybody calls it the Kelvin universe. Yes. Well, that actually came from us in desperation because it was never named when we were doing the encyclopedia and we went through when you go through these movies or TV or, or, or any of the, the hour long um, episodics. Um, you you tear it apart. You've got to find all of these facts. And it was never mentioned. I'll be darned. So <laughs> we we t- talked at great length with John Van Sitters at um, CBS. And we kept saying, well, what do they call what it? What do you call it? And they didn't know. Really? So, so we, yeah. wrote a, we wrote a five-page memo saying, uh, it's important to, to name it because others are going to be saying, in the movie based on, uh, in the universe that came out of the 2000 movie, you, you, you can't do that in, in a book. So uh, our first choice was, okay, what was the name of the star that exploded at the beginning of the movie? That started all let's of call, it. Let's call it that. Mm. We called Van Sitters and said, what's the name of the star? And he said, oh, it's Hobus. I said, okay, we'll okay. call it the Hobus timeline. And then we went, wait a minute, I don't remember hearing that word in the movie. And, and so we, uh, we we emailed him back and he said, oh, no, it wasn't in the movie. It came from this graphic novel. Well, so <laughs> if we used that name, then every time you have to say, well, this really wasn't in the movie, but it came from the graphic novel. You have to, you have to, <laughs> so that, that just wasn't going to work. So we came That's up with fantastic. the Kelvin timeline, the Kelvin universe, and it's stuck hmm. and it's used. And it had its genesis in the writing of the Star Trek Encyclopedia. 
I'll be darned. That's a great story. Great. Thank you for sharing That's that. That's great. That's great. Um, I did write down a question because we did interview this young gentleman um, a few weeks ago, and his we premiered his episode the other week. Um, it says here you work with Jamie Anderson on a sh- project called Firestorm. How did that come about? And and he is a charming gentleman. He gave us an hour and a half of his time all the way from London to for us to interview him. He's he's a joy. It really is. Well, first of all, I grew up with uh, uh, with Jerry Anderson's productions. I, I watched Thunderbirds uh, religiously. I uh, <laughs> I loved Captain Scarlet. Uh UFO and Space 1999 were amazing productions. Uh, they may not have entirely uh, uh, sunk up with my sensibility, but there was so much cool stuff to look at. It, it mm-hmm. was, you know, I, I, I love it uh, nevertheless. So when Jamie contacted me, I said, holy crap. And at the end of the day, I, I don't think it happened, but uh, just, just to have a, uh, the chance to t- to talk to uh, Jerry Anderson's son is like I'm 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 starstruck. <laughs> as as was I because I grew up. I mean the first. I mean when I was in our interview, I said the first science fiction show that was geared up for kids was Supercar, and I started watching that, and then right into the other series, and I grew up just watching that, and and so when when we were contacted by. Uh, Jamie's representative about him wanting to inter- get us to interview him. To me, that was like you know one degree of Jerry and Jerry Anderson, to one degree of being so close. And he was very <laughs> he was very frank and very honest about a number of things, including a a very funny encounter he had with um, Nimoy, um, Adam Nimoy, and uh, Eugene, uh, Rod Roddenberry. Which um, oh, Jamie. Jamie was a great guest. He he was yeah, so funny yeah. and and uh, had great stories. Is is there well, a can, can, oh, can I can yeah I tell you that um, as part of that project we worked with uh, there was a gentleman who was a, a set designer on on Next Generation and uh, and D Space Nine. His name is uh, Joseph Hodges, mm-hmm. uh, who's gone on to be a world class production designer. He's d- done a lot of feature films and and, t- and television series. To be contacted by Jerry Anderson, I, I was excited. He was he was he's, he's normally very reserved, very very British, and I, he was just like, "Oh my god!" So, uh, so uh, Joseph and I were uh, were absolutely geeking out. Oh, that's so cool! That's yeah. so cool. Absolutely. Other questions you have for these? Why we have their ears? Yeah, I'm very curious because I know you. So you work on mostly from the graphics perspective, but do you have any input on the sound design? When it comes to Picard, because the sound sound design is on point. Absolutely none. Uh, I well, actually, that's not that's that's not entirely true. There, there was there was uh, at some point someone I don't even know who asked for uh, some sound effects from uh, uh, Next Generation, so I, I sent them the files that I had. But when you have someone that at like Terry Mentalis at the top, who uh, who knows Star Trek, who respects Star Trek, who says let's uh, let's honor the heritage that's come before. That trickles down. Mm. So, so every department, even if someone doesn't necessarily know, they'll realize, hey, it's worth it's worth uh, uh, doing a little bit of research. It's worth finding out what was done before because the boss appreciates it. So when you got someone like Terry at the top, it it's, it, it it trickles on and reflects in the show. Mm. Wow, that's so, very cool. That's neat. Yeah. So I, I have two questions. Um, kind of you know, hanging off of other things that we've asked is so one related to the whole concept of, of working with Jamie Anderson and other, other, you know, fandoms and things you enjoy. So outside of Star Trek, you know, what have, what have you really enjoyed working on that we may or may not know that you've been working on or you Thank had worked you for on? asking that question, Adina, that was on my mind as well. Well, I think we mentioned for all mankind. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually is the most fun and the most gratifying project we've worked on since we left um, Enterprise and since we left Paramount wow. in 2005. That has truly been um, you know, I, I, I don't know if you've ever seen the sh- ever seen the show, but it's a science fiction series that uh, that's set in an alternate timeline in which the Russians beat the Americans to the moon. 
And because because America was humiliated by that, uh, the United States government kept funding Apollo. So the moon race never ended. As a result, the benefits of space technology continued to flow in, into, into American and therefore world society. So it starts out very close to, to reality as, as we knew it, but then it, then, then it diver, diverges. Mm -hmm. the, our very first day on the set, it was a, it was a news scene. Uh, uh, a, a Walter Cronkite type uh, journalist was interviewing an astronaut who was showing how, the, how these two ships fly. So our job was to make sure that he made, you know, he showed the ships flying correctly. And we're sitting on on set watching him, and we're sitting with uh, with Ron Moore, and who created the series. who created the show, uh, who also, as you I'm sure know, was a writer producer on Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, and went on to do Galactica and, and a lot of other stuff. And we're 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 trying to pump him for information because we're we're excited about working on a new show. And finally, Ron turns to us and said, "This is the story of how you get from today to Star Trek," and suddenly. We're sold. Okay, we mm -hmm. get it. Nice. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I have, we we don't here in my house have Apple TV yet, but just like two days ago, my husband and I were talking about, partly because of that show, we, I really want to see, because everyone is telling me I need to see that show. Um, and also there's a show coming out, Silo, based on Hugh Howey's book, Wool. Um, and so between those, yeah, we'll, we will see it. We will see it soon. Mm -hmm. And Ted Lasso. And Ted that's Lasso, Ted Lasso, I've heard. So good. I mean, we don't watch a lot of TV and we love Ted Lasso. It's a really it's a feel good. It's about soccer, but it's like Field of Dreams is about baseball. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's a people It's a show about what is it to be a good person. Yes, it's mm. it's uplifting. Cool. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff on Apple TV just we have to figure out which service are we going to temporarily <laughs> just trying to limit, you know, we know you're paying, except for <laughs> Apple TV is about the least expensive. Um, so, yeah, it's yeah. not very much money. But yeah, right. It, we've got a bunch of streaming services, too. And yeah. it's not so much a little bit about the money. It is just kind of the principle of having so many services mm -hmm. and we can only watch so much at a time. You know, it's just. Yes. yes. <laughs> which everyone is dealing with. That's like it's like this is a weird, weird problem to have. It's a weird it's... problem because we are living in a golden age of television. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. You, look, you look at shows like For All Mankind and, and Picard, and these are absolutely feature quality productions. Mm -hmm. Things that we could only dream of when we were doing Next Generation. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yep. look at what Disney's doing with the Star Trek, Star, the Star Wars, yeah, yeah. Star, that. Star Wars yeah. franchise. I mean, yeah, the Mandalorian is is feature film quality oh, every it's, week. Mandalorian, the yeah. current season is my favorite so far. So, you know, uh, yeah. it's hard to keep up with. Like, I wish yeah. they could have just delayed it a little past Picard so I could enjoy it more. But yeah, I like oh, what I hashtag first world problems. Yep. First world problems. Uh, yeah. Mandalorian <laughs> is kind of my sort of current like treadmill yeah. show. I always have a, tre a show that like I'm only allowed to watch on the treadmill. Oh, so I'm that's my treadmill show. I'm just like that. Or I used to be yeah. where I couldn't, I had to, I could not watch the show unless I was on exercising. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, <laughs> we, we know in our house, Wednesday night, we watch Bad Batch and then mandalorian because we know that on <laughs> thursday we get to watch picard and i will tell you my wife you know she she deals with my star trek but when like we were talking about when data appeared on the screen she went data 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 don't you mean data don't you mean data data yeah, thank you. One is his team. I've made that mistake before. <laughs> One of these but days. She was Steve. so excited to see him on screen and hoping they were bringing back his character because he's so beloved. Oh, so he's so good. Even he's the, the best. Even the fans who are not super intense have something really something to look forward to in that series. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Can, so I, what, I tell you, can I tell you that the very first. Uh, data episode was data lore mm -hmm. and yeah. in that episode i was almost dr sung oh really oh that's so cool there was a uh there was a uh, there was a moment where someone on the bridge was was looking up who dr sung was and there was a there was a biography and so uh 
uh, Rick Berman and Bob Justman asked me if, if, if they could use my picture to be uh, Dr. Sung. And I said, sure. And ultimately that shot was, that scene was cut. So, oh. yeah, which I guess is just as well, because then uh, otherwise Brent would not they have, would been- have had a harder, they would have had a harder time yeah, using him yeah. as. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it worked yeah. out, but it was, uh, uh, I, I was excited for a minute there. Yes. Yeah. You That's almost were the, the grandfather of, of cybernetics. Father. Um, that's true. Uh, well, I'm going all the way back to Enterprise. <laughs> Go back to Enterprise when he was there. Yeah. Well, I guess he technically was the father. I don't know, because he starts working on cybernetics at the end. <laughs> yeah. 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 At the end of the Augments episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, besides, we're talking about TV shows and stuff. I remember when the bio graphic film about Sully was out. You were very proud to be a part of that production. I did. You did some of the graphics on that as well. And besides that movie, are there other films that you've done that you go back and you go, yeah, I'm really proud to have been a part of that. Sully was very special because uh, when, when we were in pre-production, Denise and I just sat down here and we just listened to the, to the voice transcripts over and over again because uh i i did all of the control panels uh, mm-hmm. all, all the readouts and it, it wasn't like star trek where you can say well yeah really not that's how that's how a starship works uh there really is an airbus a320 there really was a flight uh, mm-hmm. 1549 and you listen to those uh to those uh voice recordings and you realize these people were amazing not just uh sully and his co-pilot but the air traffic controllers the uh, the pilots nearby the the person flying the helicopter, uh, the first responders they were all amazing and you realize you have an obligation to honor those people. Mm-hmm. So it's not just oh boy I get to work on a movie directed by Clint Eastwood. It's like uh, you get to help honor these extraordinary individuals. Hmm. So I, I'm kind of I would have assumed that you're they're just using a real control you know using the real thing from the real plane from you would think that and i i actually never got a straight answer as to why they couldn't huh but uh because in that movie the scenes in, in the simulator mm-hmm. were a real airbus a320 simulator sure yeah but the scenes with tom hanks flying the aircraft were, uh were not it, it was an actual decommissioned airbus a320 cockpit what they did was really cool my uh my boss was uh woman named Liz Radley and she and Eastwood and Tom Hanks and Aaron, uh, the guy who played um, the, uh, the co-pilot and the, and the real Sully went into a real Airbus Air 3, A320 simulator. And they had so, the real Sully fly the route and do what he did. And wow. my boss was really smart. She had the, uh, the, uh, the wherewithal to get her little camcorder out and and videotape the instrument all the instruments for me so i knew at every moment what were the readings oh wow and that's, then that's amazing and 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 we could cross-reference that against uh, uh the ntsb uh, investigation and the uh, so again we knew at, at this moment the altitude was this the heading was that and hmm. i don't claim we got it exactly right but we we, yeah. we got it pretty good that's interesting because yeah i would have assumed i just would have assumed something based on a real life where we know what it, the panel, you know, we know what everything is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I have no answer, but uh, uh, that's that was my first question. And uh, they said, no, no, we, we need to do this. I said, okay. Mm-hmm. Was okay. that, was that a standard though? Was that like standard practice for most Hollywood films that involve planes? I, that's the only film, only production of that sort that on which I've worked. So I can't tell you what's standard. I, uh, um, I can tell you that there was an unusual amount of uh, interest on making sure that the readings were correct. Mm-hmm. Well, because they know everyone's going to like zoom in, and, you know, look at it on their computer, zoom in and be like, Hey, that was wrong. Or, Hey, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, that, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Yeah, I, I yeah. can't tell you again. Uh, I did most of the work literally in this seat, uh, went down to the sets uh, for the installation and for, and for, and for filming those scenes. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I wasn't actually in the production meeting, so I I, I I don't know the thought process. Sure, sure. 
I was going to say, so what is, what is your, your work days like these days? Depends on what time of the year it is. Mm-hmm. Um, right now we're working post uh, for, for all mankind. And that is fluctuates from, Oh my God, we need this right now to, Oh, well, let's just go, you know, make commentary on one of the episodes. We're actually working on a project, an ongoing long-term ongoing project called the Roddenberry archive. And um, which has been a lot of fun. Um, And that pretty much is taking up most of our time right now, I would say. So what, what is that? I don't think I've heard of that. What is that project? It's a, it's a project that was started by, uh, by Rod Roddenberry, Gene's son to try to, uh, to, collect and um, preserve and expand upon the work of uh, uh, from Gene Roddenberry's career. And one of the aspects that we're putting a lot of energy into is um, they're partnering with a company called Otoy to to recreate a lot of the uh, a lot of the sets, a lot of the ships, a lot of the bridges, um, from the various Star Treks, because right now, if you if you want to know what the Excelsior class looked like, I can just I can just look literally at the background of your of your Zoom picture. But <laughs> uh, but there she is. Uh, come back five, ten, twenty years from now, that stuff is not going to be so prevalent. So mm. if if a scholar thirty years from now wants to know what did that set look like, how did they build it, uh, what were what were the design decisions? Uh, it's it, it's not going to be that easy. So we're we're trying to to create a a mass of knowledge that that can inform the future. They've hired a bunch of really talented uh, artists, many of whom are Star Trek fans who know the stuff intimately, and they're coming up with these obsessively, beautifully, gorgeously uh, authentic uh, replicas. Uh, go to YouTube and look up uh, Roddenberry Archive. You can see. Okay. Uh, We've done some. Uh, we've done a couple of videos uh, about Roddenberry's career, and uh, we did a bunch of interviews for uh, people who worked on the Cage. Uh, uh, we we interviewed Robert Butler, the uh, the, director. Uh, the director of the of the first film, and we were astonished at how much he remembered that that production. Wow! Please check it out. So we we all have our homework assignment. Everybody. Yes, we do. And look at that <laughs> afterwards. You know, we, we actually have a couple more videos coming out uh, next month. Uh, to coincide with the end of um, uh, the last episode of, of Picard, so uh, stay tuned. All right. Look, Those are the worst words. That. Last episode of Picard. Uh, I, know. I don't want to think about it. Well, I gotta tell you, as a as a, a lifelong Star Trek fan, on one hand, yes, that's that's a depressing thing. On the other hand, it was an amazing miracle that this happened at all. Mm-hmm. That's true. It that's was true. Uh, None of us ever thought that uh, that next generation would uh, would would come back, and it would be honored in this in this fashion. And that, mm-hmm. and that these these actors, these characters, who are become our friends for uh, for for a lifetime, that we'd get to spend more time with them and a meaningful time, and we and we'd learn we we we'd get to see them fulfilled and and uh what happened to them and 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 get them uh get up to speed with them again so and i never thought i was going to see another series that respected um star trek's legacy and accuracy and mm-hmm. respect um i just thought you know that ship has sailed and um you know, it was fun while it lasted. And then Terry Metalis pulled off this miracle. And he 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 should be he should be thanked by every fan of Star Trek um, because he really deserves it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. We are like we are grateful and lucky it, it happened. And we're yes. grateful and lucky that you are a part of it to ensure that it's done right. And that's great. But a lot of people, a lot of really talented and uh, dedicated people worked on on um, on the third season of Picard. I mean, it was a it was a labor of love. Um, mm-hmm. Killed themselves. Extraordinary, extraordinary. There, there, there was uh, there were several projects on which I worked with a uh, art director, Liz Kolaskowski, 
And she just continually amazed me at the amount of research she did. I'd say, I'm not sure how that worked back in next generation. And she, and she would have all these drawings and photographs and say, this is how it was done. That's great. Other questions, folks? Oh, Any well, yes. Questions? I mean, I do have a thousand other questions. Uh, but no, I think no, not <laughs> a thousand. We keep it limited, okay? Uh, okay. And well, your tangents, keep your tangents uh, under control as fine, well, okay? Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> well, so we, we asked you about, you know, what you think about the, the Kelvin timeline, all that. But what about shows like Lower Decks? Is that something Lower, that you guys... Lo- Lower Decks is a hoot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's so good. <laughs> yeah. And and we love the people. We love the people making lower decks. Yeah, they, they love they love Star Trek. Yeah, we 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 didn't we didn't work in lower decks, but uh, I did design a cutaway of the uh, of the uh, um, Cerritos for them. So uh, it's not in the first season, but I, I did see it in the in the second. I, I I like how the fact that they have all these California locations, cities, <laughs> especially they, they had like the USS. Sherman Oaks. I went, that's really cool, you know, and then all the different uh, forests, uh, you know, U.S. parks in the in the state of California. I think that's, you know, like when people watch that show, they're going to learn a little more about, you know, California that it's really for those makes- of you who are in California. I mean, for those of us on the East Coast, we don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, you do. Now you do. There are East Coast uh, mentions, especially in Enterprise because of Brandon Braga. He's from Canton, where I hail. And there's all kinds of Canton, little Ohio. things. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, NFL Hall yep. of Fame. What, uh, that's one of the things I want to go see. OK, go on. Well, <laughs> hey, if you ever want, if you ever come, look me up. I'd love to go with you guys because uh, Ohioans only go like once and then we're yes, like, OK, great. Course. You know, yeah, my but, husband will join you guys. So, He's the football. Can, can that be but, a podcast? Can you guys I, film a podcast? I, well, here's they my thing. Here's with. real quick. I just heard today on another podcast. This shall go unnamed, at least right now, that uh, they're doing a somehow working a crossover between Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds. I think so. Yeah, I saw that? some article. Year, uh, yes, yeah. I, I haven't seen any details other than a headline or two. That so interested the if that's really true or not. But yeah, maybe I just I, wasted a few seconds. Of I'm okay. Like so, when uh-huh. I see headlines and stuff like that, I never click on the articles because I'm okay to not know anything until mm-hmm. it really happens. I'm I don't, mm-hmm. I'm okay to not know. Yeah, uh, um, I don't know actually what's normally what that that sort of inside thing we know nothing about, but I. Happened to know something about that one, and um, it's it's. She doesn't want to know. Yeah, it's fun. No, no, you, you <laughs> okay, can say great, that. I mean, great, I don't go great. searching. It's like I don't go searching for. So when I see the headline, I'm like, I'm okay with the headline. It's cool, but then it's okay because then because then if I know too much, then I'm going to be waiting, 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 waiting. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, where it's yeah. like I'm okay to like I see the headline and then I forget about it, and then months later, all of a sudden it happens, and yeah, ooh, that, I'm that, happy. That's that's me. That's yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, if, if I could work on the show without without knowing uh, uh, what's going to happen, I, I would actually prefer that. But then, <laughs> if you do that, then a lot of mistakes happen. So, not a good idea. So, so, since we mentioned football, I have to ask a very personal question to Denise. What's your what's favorite your, team? What's your favorite team? I knew you were going to. Um, I have to ask that question. No, that's fine. I was raised. I was raised as a child on football. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so it's in my DNA. Um, I don't really have a favorite team anymore. I was a Packers fan for many, many years in the Brett Favre era and so forth. Um, uh, because I just thought it was so cool that a town owned a team and not. Yes, I, I, exactly. That too. was so neat. I like yes. that. And they, they sold stock shares for the, for yes, the fans. It, it, and the, the culture and so forth. Um, I, I no longer really follow a specific team. I now gravitate more to players and coaches, and um, and I also watch uh, Red Zone, NFL Red Zone, mm-hmm. more than NFL Sunday Ticket. I have Sunday Ticket, and I have Red Zone, but I watch Red Zone, and Red Zone, as you know, just bounces all over the place. If you're a football mm-hmm. fan, yeah, bounces all mm-hmm. over the place. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I watch football. Now. Well, I know that Adina's husband is a big 
Steelers fan, right? And you're going to make your kids mm-hmm. grow up Steeler fans as well. Oh, I'm not making right. anyone grow up Steelers. <laughs> no, no. Fan. He, I, no I'm he, making sure the kids grow up as Star Trek fans. He's <laughs> working on the Steelers part. <laughs> so, so when do we get uh, like a football captain? Because we have a baseball captain, we have a water polo captain, but no, uh, no football captains in track. <laughs> Next year, and there should be, and there should, there be. should be. That'd be cool. <laughs> so, if I said the name Peyton Manning, does that yeah. bring warm fuzzies, or is or w- w- did you like watching him play? Yeah, oh, of course. He's he's. I'm a Colts guy, so um, everything. In, I mean, you can see the Pacers stuff behind me here. So, yeah. mm-hmm. love love mm-hmm. Peyton Manning. He's one of yeah. my heroes. Oh, he's good, great. Good man off the field too. Not yes, just absolutely. not just a good quarterback. And, and Mike, do you just let her go off and enjoy football and you do something else? Or do you kind of watch it on the, the side with her? I watch a fair bit of it. And I've, I've, I've learned a surprising amount by osmosis. And I've, and I've, I've learned to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But I did, I did warn him before we got married. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> I, did. I did warn him. I said, it's a big part of my life. And I don't go anywhere on Sundays. And that's before NFL Sunday ticket. So, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, uh, not too long after we got married, Denise was very tolerant of 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 me being a space geek because she's a space geek too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted to buy one of those big six foot C band antennas. This is oh way before gosh. before Directv, so that I could watch uh, uh, NASA NASA Select. NASA Select. Oh, Which okay. not familiar with it? It's a twenty four seven educational channel. Uh, cr- pro- uh, produced by NASA, and during space shuttle missions, they would have uh, launch to touchdown coverage. Wow! Of, wow. Of missions. So you could watch. You could spend twenty four hours watching mission controllers eating lunch at their consoles. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, which I would do. I would actually <laughs> love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, they they still you can now watch NASA TV on 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 the web. But mm-hmm. back then, this is the only way to watch it. And one day, as I'm scanning through, because you, you had to steer the dish to to find the satellites, Denise says, "What's this thing? NFL Sunday Ticket?" Oh, and it turns out that it, it was a it was a service. I guess it was mostly provided to bars and such that you could subscribe to, and you could watch all of the uh, feeds for all the football games. And of mm-hmm. course, that was and so too. suddenly, I lost my <laughs> wife on on Sunday. <laughs> nice. Well. I, I have to say, I'm really glad you brought up the NASA stuff because that was one more, one more, one more question I wanted to ask is sure. because you did a lot of NASA mission patch design for the shuttle oh, missions yeah. and other things. Thank yeah. you for asking. Well, I, I would be a terrible like aerospace person. Like my coworkers would be hearing this episode and be like, "Adina, you didn't ask that." So, what <laughs> what was your favorite patch design or logo design? My favorite patch was the mission patch for STS-125. Oh, can you see this? The Hubble. Uh-huh. The, the last Hubble, uh, uh, one of the servicing uh, missions. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Thanks, John Grunsfield, who was the lead spacewalker on, on that on that mission, who actually used to be NASA's uh, chief scientist, left that post to go back into the astronaut corps to to do uh, to do, do the last uh, Hubble mission. Mm-hmm. And he told me that one of the reasons he became an uh, an astronomer astronaut was because he wanted to be like Mister Spock. And I'm going, oh wow. Pretty freaking cool. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It all comes from a little circle. Another another patch that I'm very fond of, NASA has a, has a, has a small department called the Planetary Defense Coordination Office. Got to be the coolest title of, of any production. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of any, mm-hmm. yep. any department. And it's and it's real. It's, it's a small office that mm-hmm. funds uh, scientific projects to uh, look for near-Earth asteroids and to investigate ways that you might be able to deflect or or, or protect mm-hmm. like the dart mission yes exactly mm-hmm. yeah. was done, uh, done under the uh, planetary defense office mm-hmm. and a friend of ours who was uh who was with that asked uh what i what i make make a patch for it so uh because this is audio only i i, I won't show it to you but uh it's it's a it's the emblem is a shield with a uh, with a knight in ar- in armor and a and a staff, looking into a telescope in, into the night sky. How neat! And I nice. needed uh, I I needed a uh, someone to pose for the figure. So of course Denise is the, is the knight uh, who is who is uh, who is protecting Earth. <laughs> Very cool. You've seen <laughs> we, you've seen the Netflix film uh, Don't Look Up. Yes. Yes. One of our yeah. favorites. We chatted all the time. Yeah. Well, 
uh, the the planetary defense patch in that film is is my patch. Nice. Oh my goodness! Well, now we so got to cool. go back and watch it again. So we can, even though we're we're audio only, we can put a link to to the the patch online. I'm I'm watching. I'm looking at it now. And I have to cool. say, they didn't give Michael credit, and I was really upset. Oh, on the, on the film, they didn't. No, no, they didn't, which is kind of weird. But anyway, right. I have to tell you a really quick story about STS um, um, one twenty five. Um, John Grunsfeld was very gracious, and he each astronaut gets a little bit of personal space to put take stuff up and so forth and so on. And he said, "Would you like to put something in my personal space?" And I said, "Mike said, gosh, we really have to think about that." So um, we came up with this idea. We were celebrating some anniversary. I can't remember which one. And we decided to go ahead and purchase a diamond, a new diamond for my wedding, for my wedding band. And um, so that diamond went up into space <laughs> and came back down and we had it set. So I call my wedding, um, my wedding band, my magic space diamond because it's been in outer space. Nice. That's great. <laughs> That's, That's I love it. great. I love it. And with that, we again thank Mike and Denise for the time they have allowed us to get to know them better and our listeners as well. A lot of people, once the TV episode ends or the film stops, they will not take the time to read the names of all the people involved in what they have just watched. I don't do that. I hope that you don't do that as well because you'll be missing out on knowing who are the ones that make film and TV possible. For without their work, TV shows and movies would not exist. Please be a part of our face, or excuse me, our Facebook and Instagram pages. Write to us at the big sci-fi podcast at gmail.com and be sure to be a part of Trek Long Island. May the 20th and 21st, where we will be there. Won't you? Plus, you'd miss out on Mike, Denise, Doug Drexler, and the great Mike Westmore, who will be a part of it as well. And as always, I leave you with this parting thought. Look to the skies. Live long and prosper. Bye.